Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Last Tuesday, we talked about Elohim. Elohim, the great eternal wonder, the one that started it all, the great creator, God. He is the uh, beyond our finite mind to fully grasp God. You can't put him in a box. And I was doing some studying this week. Just out of, I'd never done that before uh, this past week. I'd studied before, but I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, I had never particularly ran the, uh, uh, whatever you call that, concordance or whatever, about uh, one particular phrase. You know, the, our Trinitarian folks would tell us there are three persons, one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three separate persons. Well, what stirred up my mind was uh, God. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. In fact, that psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell the utmost, you're still there. In other words, there's not a place where he is not. He's everywhere. 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 So, and that got me to thinking because... I know the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter, well, in Revelation, different places, particularly chapter 4, John saw the vision of the Lord uh, in a, sitting on his throne. So I got to thinking now, where in the Bible does it tell me that God's sitting on a throne? I'd never thought, you know, I'm slow in trying to think things, I guess. So I ran through all the Old Testament. There is one, one, one place where this uh, prophet, uh, he was trying to pretend whatever, and, and, and I think it's to Ahab, and he said uh, he, he saw this, the Lord on his throne, and he said thus and thus. But that was just an expression the prophet was making. He did not see the Lord on his throne. How do you see the wind? How, how do you, how do you uh, geographically place that which is omnipotent and, or omnipresent, I should say? How do you place that in one particular place? He's right here right now. But he's also in Timbuktu. And up there in Colorado where all the snow is, and I hope they leave it up there. But he's everywhere. 
He's everywhere. You don't get to a throne until you get to the man that can sit on that throne, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. Because God had no body until Bethlehem. Well, maybe I could say until the conception. But as far as a physical body and the appearance of a body, he had no body until Bethlehem. And now Jesus Christ is the image, the showing forth of the invisible God. Amen. Does that, that make sense to you? Well, anyway, what, what, what I want to do is continue here and, and, and go a little farther because in Genesis chapter 1, it's all Elohim, 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 Elohim. Uh, and then when we get to chapter 2, it changes. And we get to chapter 2 of Genesis and verse 4, we have something different about the presence and the appearance of God. Uh, where in chapter 2, verse 4, he's looking back at what had happened, what he had created, and he said, These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heaven. This is like a, a preparation for, for the, the, great, the great act that's going to take place uniquely so in verse 7 because that's where we pick up again the term Lord God. Or if you will, in that day it was Y-H-W-H or J-H-V-H. But the way we would read it today, it would be Jehovah or Yahweh Elohim. Jehovah Elohim. In verse 7 is where we read the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. If I can convey what has been run through my mind for whatever, uh, clearly, and I hope and pray that I can, but it excited me that much more when I began to think more about it and study it. I know I've studied before, but anyway, Mr. Rabbi Kaplan, or Kaplan, however his name is pronounced in his writing and uh, the living Torah, he made this statement about this name, Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, connected together. From henceforward, he wrote, the supreme being is called Lord, having been hitherto called only God. The Hebrew doctors observed that Jehovah Elohim Lord God, joined together, is the full and perfect name of God and therefore fitly reserved till this place, fitly reserved till this place when the works of God were perfected, when God created. You see, when man came on the scene, something new, something wonderful is taking place some revelation is taking place. Man's not an animal that came out of the water or an animal that came out of the earth. Man is not a big oak tree that God created back under a few days or a few years before that. Man is 
God's own creation of life, a living soul. Dogs don't have a soul. Cows don't have a soul. Whales don't have a soul. And so all that's been created up to this time are soulless. But now God creates something in his own image. Amen. Amen. Throughout this chapter, in fact, 11 times in chapter 2, the term Lord God is used. Lord God, Jehovah Elohim. And of course, when we get uh, down to the last two verses, or the, well, verses 21 and 22, a unique thing occurs as well because God calls this man that he created to go to sleep. You know the story. And he operated somehow on this man, took a rib out of his side and created a woman. He said he, the, the Lord God, this rib he had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. You see, that's when it all started. You add the rest, but anyway. <laughs> Amen. But, but anyway, and, and what, what, what attracted my attention again that maybe I hadn't really taken time to soak into my mind was as, as time progressed, the need and the situations of creation now are going to change and progress. And so we have the continuation here. First, it's Elohim that created all these, the cosmos itself and everything therein. And then when we get down to mankind, a new creation, then, then the Lord includes the name Lord God. And there's a reason for that because it's in him that we live, we move, we have our being, and from him we receive all the strength that we need. The first place that this uh, term is used just prior to the creation of man in verse 7 uh, is, is here, or well, in verse 4. And the last two places in this chapter involve the woman, the couple together, our Lord God. Jehovah, Je in fact, Jehovah is the most frequently used name in the Old Testament in reference to God. It's found almost 7,000 times. I think I read somewhere one time, somebody said 6,823. But I'm not going to argue with him. But anyway, Jehovah was originally found in only the four letters, as we mentioned, either J-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H, Jehovah or Yahweh. And we added, mankind added the vowels. Is that what you call them? Vowels so that we could pronounce it. How do you pronounce J-H-V-H? How do you pronounce Y-H-W-H? But when you put some E's and A's in there, then it'll come out Jehovah and Yahweh. But anyway, Jehovah is derived from the Hebrew verb haya, haya, to be or being. And it's almost identical with the Hebrew word kava, which means to live or life. So in this Itself, the meaning of the name, the purpose of the name is speaking to us of life. And so we can see the reason here, or one of the reasons here, that we come upon this term Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, is when man, when life is created, lasting life, eternal life, 
uh, is created in humanity and man becomes a living soul. Uh, we must think of Jehovah as the being who is self-existent, who is in himself, possesses essential life, permanent existence. It's all in him. Jesus said to tie it to him in the New Testament, Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you see, again, uh, if I can put it all together, there was a noted uh, Jewish commentator in the Middle Ages by the name of Maimonides, and he said this in, regarding, in regards to the name Jehovah. All the names of God which occur in Scripture are derived from the works except one, and that is Jehovah. And this is called the plain name because it teaches plainly and unequivocally of the substance of God. So Maimonides says Elohim, Elohim is referring to all of his creation. But when you get to life, mankind, then we have the word Jehovah. Someone said, let me, let me share this before we get into something else here. Someone said, and I don't know who it was, but he, they wrote, he or she, in the name Jehovah, the personality of the Supreme is distinctly expressed. It is everywhere a proper name denoting the presence of God and him only. The Hebrew may, now note, note this, the Hebrew may say the Elohim, the true God in opposition to all the false gods, but he never says the Jehovah. The Je uh, for Jehovah, the reason he doesn't say it is because Jehovah is the true God only. He says again and again, my God or my Elohim, but he never says my Jehovah. For when he says God, he means Jehovah. He never, he speaks of God Elohim of Israel, but never the Jehovah of Israel, for there is no other Jehovah. He speaks of the living God, but never of the living Jehovah, for he cannot conceive of Jehovah as other than living. And to substantiate or support this, the writer in the, in the, the book of Psalms 83 and 18, listen to what the psalmist said, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. No other God was recognized by the name Jehovah. Last Tuesday now we pointed out that some of the, or the, many of the false gods were called Elohim. The false gods were referred to as Elohim because that's a reference to a deity. But no false gods were ever referred to as Jehovah, of course, because Jehovah alone is uh, the Lord God of glory. Anyway, in John 15 and 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. I don't care how intelligent you are, how educated you are, you'll flop on your face without Jesus Christ. In Romans eleven thirty six. 36 
Paul says, for of him, through him, to him are all things. Into him be glory forever. Amen. 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 In Revelation 19 and 16, John is describing here the Lord coming back from heaven on that great day tomorrow, bringing his church with him. And in verse 16 of chapter 19, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name that is written, and it's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's all in him. Amen. Paul tells us in, let me, before I get to, let me back up and get, get reorganized here. The, the thing that's of interest and that stirred me up and wished I could convey it like I was thinking it, but uh, the way that God is recognized in the Old Testament, when he created man, he's recognized as Lord uh, Jehovah Elohim, Lord God, because something's getting involved here that has not been, he's not been involved in prior to this. The creation of all the world when he wanted a tree to grow, he said, tree grow. He wanted a cow to come out of the waters. He said, cow, get out of that water. I know he didn't say that, but you know, all of his creation, he, he spoke it. Let there be life, there was. And so on and so forth. He spoke it into existence. But when he come to something unique, just like you and me, amen, you beautiful people, when it come to us, the Bible says, well, first he said, let's make man. Let us make man after our image, after our likeness. And then in verse 7 of chapter 2, he got him a handful. I'm putting my words to it. It got him a handful of clay and shaped it all up. And <laughs> I better not. Can I go there? Sure I can. I remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember preachers saying, this, this colored preacher was preaching and he was just so excited about preaching and preaching about the creation of man and said, said God made this man and ramped him out and made him out of clay and he, he, he leaned him up against a picket fence and, and one of his deacons or somebody said, where'd God get that picket fence? And the preacher said, shut up man, you've spoiled all of my philosophy. But anyway, so let me philosophize here a little bit. He got him a handful of mud and formed it just like he wanted it. And then the Bible says in verse 7 of chapter 2, he breathed into his mouth. God didn't breathe into the mouth of a cow, nor a whale or any other thing, those things. Amen. Did he create pigs back then too? But anyway, he, he breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. So something new is happening here. And as you progress in your study of the Old Testament and you find all of these names that God has recognized, but here he's Lord God, Jehovah Elohim. But as you go farther, like when you get to chapter 17 of Genesis, there's another name that's involved of God. Jehovah becomes a compound name with other titles or references, if you will, according to the situation or the condition. And, and I wonder why? Why? Why not just be Elohim all the way? Or why not be Jehovah all the way? Why do you make these changes? Because the world changes. Conditions change. Needs change. People change. 
There had never been a man like uh, Abraham. And so God said, I want you to know, Abraham, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the almighty, almighty. And, and God, had, God, God had never dealt with a nation before, but he did with Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. And so consequently, conditions change, needs change, situations change, and God appeared or was recognized according to the need or the situation in which they were confronted with. Amen? And we get to all those titles. We're not going to, we're not going to turn to all of them, read all of them. But for, for instance, uh, in that one I just mentioned in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1, again, speaking to Abraham, who had come out of an idolatrous Ur of the Chaldees, and yet Abraham becomes the first Hebrew. He becomes the first one to begin to teach the wonderful message of monotheism. One God, one God, all the people around him are worshiping all kinds of gods. But Abraham says there's only one, only one. So the term Jehovah throughout the Old Testament is compounded and is with expressions like we just mentioned. It begins in Genesis 17 and verse 1 where God spoke to, uh, to Abraham and he was called Jehovah, Jehovah Shaddai, Jehovah Shaddai. Somebody read Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. Who got that one? Now back yonder in Genesis chapter 17, that's the Lord God speaking to Abraham, giving him a name or a title had never been heard before. I'm El, that is God, shall die. And then when we get to the New Testament in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, who's saying, I am Shaddai. Jesus, Jesus. You see, there were different needs and situations. I know I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I can't help it, or I can't help it, but I'm not going to. But there, there is different situations, conditions in the Old Testament that call for circumstances, call for certain conditions. And again, no nation except Israel had God ever dealt with before, but now he's got a nation, 12 tribes, a unique people, two million or whatever. And they are the ones that he gives the law and, and the commandments. And they are the ones that began to walk with him and obey his word. And, and so they having all these kind of conditions and situations. And God said here, I'm, I'm, I'm the almighty. I'm the almighty. And then the next name is the, the name uh, uh, Jehovah, your heir, your heir. Philippians 4 and verse 19 is a good verse there, Brother David. So my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Mm. This is Jesus shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. That name, Jehovah Yer, means God will provide. 
God will provide, and we, we'll see something later. But, and then the next one is Jehovah Rapha. Rapha. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says what? Jehovah Rapha means he's our healer. He'd never had a group of people before that need healing, and he's their healer. He, in fact, the Bible tells us there was not a sick one among them. I, I think I need a little of that manna. <clears throat> and then the next one that we pull out is, is the term Jehovah Nisi. Remember that one? Jehovah Nisi, that time when Moses held the rod up and Aaron and Hur had to help him because he got weary. But Israel won the battle and no, uh, Moses says, here this place is, we're going to call it Jehovah uh, Nisi, Nisi. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, somebody has a word there. Listen to this. This is, this is beautiful about Jesus. To bring all those sons into glory. He's leading the way. He's my banner. I'm fighting under his banner. He is, Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. Amen. And he's going to lead us all the way into that glory land. Amen. And then there's another one that uh, is, uh, again, a compound. And that is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, Shalom. You know what that means, of course. In John 14 and 27, somebody read that with Sister Shelley. Jehovah Shalom means peace, my peace. He's the peace giver. Amen. Again, my, my, help me to get it, Lord, together. Uh, back then, you're talking about two million people, or however many there was, and God saying to them, peace is with them. There's a cloud over them by day, a pillar of fire by night. His presence was there. He said, I'll meet with you there over that mercy seat between those cherubims, peace, peace. God's peace, but he was speaking to a whole group, a whole nation of people, again, whatever many there were. But now in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's not speaking to a body. He's speaking to individuals. My peace is your peace. My life is your life. Amen. I know it's for the whole church, but it's, it's personalized. We don't all have to be in church to feel God's peace or to receive his blessings. Amen. Jesus, it's all in him. And then there's the one uh, Jehovah Ra'ah, Jehovah Ra'ah, John chapter 10, verse 11. Mm -hmm. 
we read that Jehovah Raha back under, you know, in, Genesis, in Psalms chapter 23 that begins by saying, Woo, okay, I was waiting on you. The, <laughs> the Lord, Jehovah Raha, is my shepherd, my shepherd. Jesus said in John 10 and 11, I'm the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Amen. He's my shepherd. And, and then there's another one. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu, which speaks of righteousness. Jehovah, righteousness. In the book of 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, who has that verse? Brother Seth. Mm. That, that statement is so, so awesome to consider and realize that we are what we are because of that verse, because of him. He was made to be sin for us. Or maybe we could paraphrase it, uh, as some have said, he was made to be a sin offering for us. He took my sins he took your sins, not again as the people of Israel. They had to depend on a priest to do their praying for them or taking their sacrifice for them. They had to depend on a lamb or a goat to suffer and give his life, if you will, and shed its blood for their sin. But now that's in the past. Now Calvary has taken place. Pentecost has happened. And now the church is established. And now it's the church is made up of you and me and all of us that are washed in his blood and filled with his spirit and buried in his name. Hallelujah. He is our righteousness. And then there is the, the term uh, uh, Jehovah Makadesh. Kadesh. Jehovah Kadesh. Here it's speaking about the sanctifier. He's our sanctifier. He's setting us aside for his use and his purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, who has that, Brother Daniel? Amen. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's an old time past when they used to testify, when we had testimony services, uh, and they, they would say, they would, some would say, I'm, 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 I'm saved, sanctified, and satisfied, or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I think is what they used to say. But anyway, we're sanctified in Christ, in Christ by his spirit, our sanctifier. And then one other, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Shammah. This is the last play. I know there are other more compound names with Jehovah, but we're stopping there. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord. This is the uh, last verse of Ezekiel, the last verse of, in fact, somebody, somebody turn to the last verse of Ezekiel. We'll go ahead and read that. Ezekiel, the very last chapter, the very last verse, 
Ezekiel has been describing. He's described Armageddon. He's described all the conflicts and problems. He's described all the bloodshed. And then after that, beginning with chapter 40, he begins to describe a temple that's going to be built, peace that's going to come. The presence of the Lord is going to come back upon the people of Israel. And he's describing how the land's going to be divided and, and, and so on in that, in that great tomorrow. And he winds up and completes, completes and concludes his writing in Ezekiel in that last chapter in the last verse. Somebody have it. Please stand and read it for us. Brother Dylan. The name of that city from that day shall be Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And how many times have we said, if the Lord's not in heaven, I don't want to go. If the Lord's not in heaven, it's not going to be a good place to be. There'll be no peace. There'll be no joy. There'll be no happiness. There will be no uh, blessings. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and verse 23, who has that passage? Brother Luke. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, the sky, the moon, for the glory of God, the light of the world, and the Lamb is the light of the world. He's there. Amen. The Lamb's there. Amen. Did I overlook somebody? Is that all I called out? Thank you for helping me uh, preach this morning. That made us feel so good and made us, made us sound so good with your help. See, y'all are, are great. Y'all are great. The Apostle Paul, in speaking of Jesus, you see again, all of these things, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sikhanu, Jehovah Roha, and all of these compound names, again, beginning back in the beginning, uh, Jehovah Elohim, they're all pertaining to humanity and then to a tribe and to a whole group or to a man and then the whole group of 12 tribes and a whole uh, nation of people. It's all pertaining to them because they had, they, they had needs that they hadn't had before. They needed answers they hadn't had before. They had needs of being supplied with things that they had not had before mankind. Mankind had not experienced before. But when we get to the New Testament, we get to that birth in Bethlehem. And then 30 years later, we get to him walking into that muddy Jordan River and telling John, baptize me. And then in going out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And then stepping out and saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Began his ministry preaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't look for a Jehovah Shalom. There he is. We don't look for a Jehovah Sidkenu. There he is. It's all now compacted in the name of Jesus Christ. If you need healing, his name is Jesus. If you need direction of your life of confusion, his name is Jesus. Amen. If you need strength, his name is Jesus. If you need salvation, his name is Jesus. That's why we are baptized in his name. That's why it's absolutely necessary to baptize in his name. There is no other name. 
under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the name Jesus. Acts 4 verse 12. So it's all in him. It's all in him. And again, when we get to Jesus, he is the manifestation of the invisible God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you see me, you've seen the Father. Amen. But anyway, Paul said in the book of Philippians 2, uh, verse 9, Wherefore God also have, have, hath highly exalted him, hath, hath highly ex and given him a, a name, not Jehovah Shalom, not Jehovah Sidkenu, but given him a name that is above all every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue shall, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, <laughs> woo, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Where we're first introduced to our great God, Creator Elohim, and then Jehovah Elohim, and now it's Jesus Getting baptized in the name of Elohim won't save us. Getting baptized in the name of Jehovah Elohim won't save us because there's no power in the, Elo, in the name or the title Elohim, but the power is in the name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus to get rid of your sins. In John 4 is where we have Jesus uh, meeting with that woman of Samaria at the well of Jacob. You know the conversation went on between them and the woman, here he is talking to this woman. This woman's shocked, surprised. He says, she said, how is it you, you being a Jew, you're talking to me, a woman of Samaria of all things. A woman's bad enough, but from Samaria, that's terrible. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus, uh, he, he, who it is that saith to thee, if thou knewest the gift of God, Jesus is saying to him, to her, if you knew who it was that was saying, talking to you, you would say, give me to drink. You would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. My, my. The woman saith unto him, Sir, you don't have anything to drink, to draw with. The well's deep. And where are you going to get this water? Are you greater than our father Jacob that, that uh, created this well, dug this well? Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water of this well is going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him <laughs> is never going to thirst again. Amen. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I know we can't explain it clear enough or plain enough or convincing enough, 
to those that don't know the Lord. But if you'll repent of your sins and you'll get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and be filled with God's Holy Spirit, there will be such a complete renewal and change that will take place in your life you didn't even know existed. You'll have a joy that you never had before. You'll have a peace that you never had before. You won't find the joy in the, in the hell holes of this world or the habits of this flesh, but you'll find it in Jesus Christ. You'll find it at an altar of prayer. You'll find it when you worship the King of Kings. Amen? Experiencing the new birth, my, my, of water and spirit. Peter used the expression unspeakable and full of glory. It is joy, unspeakable and full of glory. There's no life compared to living for God. There's no future like the future that every child of God has. Amen. Things are going to change around here in a couple of days, but I'm not looking with great anticipation or hope in what takes place Tuesday. But I am looking with great hope and anticipation to what's going to happen when that trump of God sounds. Amen. And we can say goodbye to this world. And hello to heaven in all of his glory. Amen. Jesus, he made this statement about himself in John 10, 10. The thief cometh, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. After all of these expressions, all of these expressions that we've been reading from or looking at, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Raha, and Jehovah Sitkanu and whatever, all of these expressions have to do with the ever-abiding presence of the Lord in the lives of the people of Israel but it also has to do when we say the name Jesus. When we're sick, we don't have to try to figure out which one do we say, what do we say. When we want our shepherd, we don't have to say, is it Jehovah Raha or is it Jehovah Sid Kandu? No, we don't have to do that. I'm not trying to make light or whatever. But we have need, it doesn't matter what it is. Just say, Jesus. Just say the name, Jesus. Jesus. All of these titles, all of these names can all be summed up in the name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 it was Jehovah Elohim that took that clump of clay and created man and gave him life by breathing into his nostrils in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 is where Jesus said that the son of man 
has come to seek and to save that which is lost, which was lost. Amen. He's still searching, friend. He's still reaching. He's still speaking. I feel his presence in this place right now. Amen. 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 You see, we did not come looking for him. He came looking for us. I'm glad he found me. Peter said so boldly and clearly, 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Lord. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Would you stand, please? I know we've already looked at it. Brother Dillon's already read it. But I think it's quite appropriate to close with that passage of Scripture. That uh, Ezekiel says, it's describing the, uh, the city and whatever. It was round about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. And we had the passage read in Revelation 21, 23. The city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, Jesus. One of these days there's going to come a city, I don't know how, and I don't know when, but my Bible says it, that there is a city coming down from heaven coming from God out of heaven. The home of the church, if you will, the bride. It's got a street of gold and 12 gates of pearl. And the Jesus Christ is, he's the light thereof. Be no shadows in that place because the sun doesn't shine in it to cast any. Be no funerals take place in that place. No tears will stain the street of that city. My, my, I feel the Lord in this place today. Why don't we come forward in thanksgiving? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.